Hey guys, this is Michael and Nick. And before you get into this episode, I want to uh, mention a webinar that's coming up. So this guy is coming up. It's called How to Optimize Your Healthcare, Cl Healthcare Clinic's Website to Maximize Conversions. And I have Nick on here too, because he used to do the webinars too, right? Yeah, I'm excited. Michael's going to be picking back up our webinar series. Um, and he he's such a good teacher. He knows how to make good points. He knows how to make relevant points, actionable takeaways. Um, I tend to be more of the fluff and the entertainment. Michael tends to be more <laughs> of the practical application. Uh, and just what we found in our webinars in the past is that you guys want to take actionable steps and put them to practice right away. And so Michael's going to be picking up our webinar series. I'm excited for that. Yeah, yeah. And so if you guys want to know more about it, uh, there'll be stuff in the show notes. But if you just want to go to patientcaremarketingpros.com, there'll be an opportunity there to sign up. But uh, yeah, it'll be coming up soon. So we're, we're excited to have you on there. We love having audience on there because we interact, right? So right. they'll ask questions, we'll give answers, um, and it's a lot of fun. So just want to catch that before we all go into the episode. All right. Welcome back to Walk-Ins. Welcome. I'm your host, Nick Horde. I've got Michael Ray co-hosting with me as always. We have a special guest, Richard Palaria, with us today, um, and we'll introduce him in just a minute. But as always, we are all about helping patient care marketing, mm -hmm. uh, patient care facilities triple their revenue through digital marketing services, exceptional patient experience, and today, keeping more of the money that you make and spending it wisely. Yeah, all about reducing some costs today, for sure, and right. spend management. So real quick introduction for Rich here. CEO of Kermit, a Baltimore-based healthcare cost reduction spend management company, bringing automation and insight to the high-spin category of implantable medical devices within hospitals and health systems. That's a mouthful, but it's real. And since its found, uh, founding in 2011, Kermit has saved hospitals over $200 million and manages 40% of the implantable device spend transacting in Maryland alone. Fantastic, Rich, to have you on today's call. Say hi to the walk-ins. Welcome, family. Yeah, thanks, guys. Hello, walk-ins. Welcome. It's nice to be with you today. What are we calling this for those who are on video? The the bearded guy show. The I love bearded it. guy show. Well, okay. So let's just be very, very clear about that. <laughs> you have a beard. Okay. You have a beard. I recently hit puberty. <laughs> <laughs> My mind does not qualify because Good it enough. doesn't connect. I actually shaved this morning too. <laughs> it just all came right back. Man, <laughs> I mean, he's got to bust my chops all the time about something. Man. All right, so I want to kick off a question before we get into all, all things Richard Palaria. What is one thing about healthcare that people think is true, but it's not? Hmm. Okay. Um, well, it, I have an interesting uh, background because I, I grew up in, in a healthcare family. My dad was a cardiologist. So um, I think pe people think healthcare is all uh, blood and guts and saving people and trauma shows. <laughs> I mean, my, my experience was that my dad would take me to the hospital when he would make rounds on a Sunday morning. And I was just a little kid. He'd stick me in the doctor's lounge with a box of donuts and hope that I was still there when he got back. And that, <laughs> that was about all I really knew about it. Right. I, I knew that he... He'd leave early, he'd come home late, and if he could coach us on the weekends for baseball at least once a month, it was a win. So I, I think one thing that, um, that I did learn is uh, the people who do it really, really well are very dedicated. I mean, it's their passion. You, you got to want to do this, whether you're a caregiver or even an administrator, to put up with something like we just went through for the last two years uh, in a pandemic. Um, and all the things that those folks were being asked to do. So, you know, the, the one thing that I think people do realize that it is, it's, it's passion. You've got to have it in you to be able to want to do it. So I mean, it's not blood and guts near as much as the willingness to care for people. Yeah, I think I so. Yeah. I love that. I think you're absolutely right. And I think there's another misconception that, that doctors are in it for the money. 
And granted, there's a huge amount of money that medical practices make, hospitals make, and even doctors make, but money only carry you so far. You have to love what you do and the people that you care for. Even if it's at a distance, you still have to care about the work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. My Unfortunately, my dad did pass away fairly young. He was 64, mm-hmm. um, but he was practicing medicine in his own uh, office for until the time he was about 62. Um, and I remember I was... Uh, you know, literally his deathbed was a hospital and I was standing next to him and he wasn't asking Nick at the time, I wish I made some more money, you know, um, right. that wasn't his last wish. So, so yeah, he, he wanted to make sure that, uh, when he was gone, that not only his family was well taken care of, but he really had in his mind, I hope somebody comes along and takes care of my patients. I mean, that's mm. the way he thought about them, even after he was leaving this earth. So that passion is, uh, has got to be there for sure. Well, I know we're spinning into another direction and we're going to get back on point here in a minute. But um, I was talking uh, to a doctor friend of mine not too long ago who is in retirement age. He's he's getting ready to go. And it's funny that you mentioned that because he said, I don't want to sell my practice because I haven't found a person who I think is is in it to care for patients. Yeah. Right now, I know that contradicts what I just said a few minutes ago. But there's a whole different aspect to purchasing a doctor's office versus getting into it and building your own practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good point. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, you piqued my interest and my ears up and very much what I read with my eyes when I saw $200 million in savings. Um, can I go ahead and assume that's through Kermit PPL? PPI? PPI. Sorry, I said that wrong. PPI? Yeah, c- correct. It, it, Kermit. Um, and the only reason why there's a PPI on the end of it is this curious uh, category we call physician preference items. Yeah. Okay. When you think about those three words together, you've got to think, well, why is there a preference for the physician and what's that all about? But it was an area that I, I wasn't really, didn't really know much about. Um, things like orthopedic implants, things used in, in knee replacement, hip replacement, spine procedures, even cardiovascular implants. What Kermit concentrates on are 21 different categories that all have this one thing in common. There's a there's an implant company that hires a salesperson to sell those items to a surgeon. And that implant salesperson typically stands in the operating room with the patient who's under anesthesia with the surgeon. And they're not there to provide patient care. They, they're tendering these devices in real time as the surgeon needs and requests them as there's no price tag on the box. So what, what our company is doing is, is actually we're doing two things. Um, we're helping the hospital negotiate better prices because we understand what the price ought to be. What What's the prevailing street price? Whereas a hospital may not know that. They may just ask for a discount and get one, but they don't know if they've left 40 points on the table or 20 or just a mere two. Mm. So our, our job is to know what those price points ought to be. And then of that 200 million that you mentioned, we've saved, I think the number is actually a little higher now, but we get a, our model is that we get a portion of that savings as our fee. So Kermit, the company, is then incented to do the best possible job it can do to reduce those costs. And unfortunately, today, it's not enough to just reduce the costs. You've got to be able to hang on to those savings. And so we, what we do is we have a piece of software that digitizes a paper bill that that salesperson is producing in the operating room. So as they tender devices into the sterile field, barcode stickers are being peeled off the boxes and affixed to a piece of paper. And that sales rep is then writing down literally with a pen, the price that they want to charge, getting a nurse to sign that piece of paper, and then walking that paper down the hallway to to the buyer in the hospital and turning it in and saying, here's everything I sold to Dr. Hoard today. 
I need a purchase order for, for everything we sold. And that buyer doesn't have any clinical understanding of why the surgeon used what he or she did. Or so you have this very right. di- disjointed process without any transparency between two different realms, two different worlds. And what Kermit PPI, the software is doing, it's digitizing that paper. And then we hold all of the negotiated prices and all the contracts for the hospital. So we roll through using automation, tell the hospital what's okay to pay and what isn't, and automate that whole that whole mess. So that you kind of set a market price for something and you're not being manipulated by urgency behind it, right? Where this is being sold and more greed or yet, yeah, right? Or yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, there's, there's definitely a lot of influence that goes on. I mean, we, now we have uh, centers for Medicare services. CMS has a website they call open payments, which actually is a database. You can go search at the end of the show and you can type in a surgeon's name and you'll be able to see how much money they've received from the implant companies for either inventions or royalties or speaking fees or even just a, a coffee or a lunch that they took from their sales rep. It's all got to be recorded in that database for wow. transparency reasons. So we do have a lot of influence. It's like back in the days of pharmaceutical reps influencing doctors and all of that. It still exists, but there are um, altruistic measures and people who mean well to bring light and transparency to this. And we're just one small niche. We're one little piece of the cog of this giant machine of how implants come to market and that end up in patients are then paid, you know, on a on an on an insurance bill at, sure. at a markup and how all that kind of works. This is such a fascinating topic to me. I want to go right back down to the beginning. You saw a need and you cranked out a business out of this. Let's talk about that for a second. Cause that's <laughs> I mean, 200 million is hard to wrap your mind around, mm-hmm. but kicking off your first thought, how did you how did you organize that into a software? How did you go to market with that? Let's start with just the software. How did you come up with this? Sure. So um, I didn't. Uh, I have to give credit where credit <laughs> <like> is due. <laughs> transparency. There you go. Yeah. Um, we're all about transparency. So um, I met two individuals about 10 years ago who were med device reps. Um, they they were being, basically, they were just fed up with being told how to steal from the hospitals. They didn't want to do mm-hmm. that anymore. How to put an extra screw on that bill, nobody's going to know, or a drill bit. We don't know if they use two or three and, and any of that kind of stuff. Keep your margins high. And so um, they 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 worked for one of the big device companies and they said, hmm, we know enough about where the prices ought to be. We know the tricks and the traps that we are using on this paper bill. What if we came away with that knowledge and went back to the side of hospitals and showed them how to do this better and smarter and and just save some money. And so they had they had an attorney who was trying to help them set up their entity. And she was also an attorney for me in another business that I own. Um, and she said, you know, Rich has the methodologies to do this. He's doing this in a different area. I was doing it in transportation, negotiating FedEx, UPS, and DHL contracts for some of the very largest shippers in the US. And I was taking a portion of the savings that I was driving for them as my fee. And I built some software to manage the billing. So when they came in and they kind of pitched me on this idea, they told me about this fascinating world where they stand in the operating room with a surgeon. And um, I had a business at the time. It was doing quite well. It was a lifestyle business. I didn't want to grow it with 100 employees. It was putting money in, in my family's pocket, in my pocket. And it was great. Um, but they told me this story. And, and what I remember was my mom had a hip surgery a couple of weeks prior to meeting them. And all I could think about when they're telling me this story is one of you guys was standing in the operating room with my mom while she was under, didn't have any say in the implant. I don't think that the surgeon really knew or cared what it costs. And somewhere along the line, we, we got a bill from, from insurance that we had to pay. So 
it became personal, first of all, Nick, I'll have to say it that way. But then I thought about the complexity of building a business from that. And I went home that night and thought, I could forget I ever had this conversation. I go back to what I was doing. I'd be happy as a clam. Or I could kick myself a couple of years from now and say, what if? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we love that f- phrase. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> f- five different businesses that I've started. And I don't know about you guys, but I get nightmares sometimes like about the what ifs. And I'm like, just got to try it. You just got to try something sometimes. And if you fail, it's okay. If you fail fast, it's good. Yes. Um, get Rule it out. Get <laughs> yes. it out of the way. Right. Y'all should have a power lunch after this. I'm, I, listen, I'm <laughs> telling you what to fail fast. Yeah. That that is a that is a golden nugget that I think everybody listening to this podcast. Fail I don't fa- mean to interrupt what you're saying, but just the idea of failing faster and adjust. Try fail and adjust, but yeah. that failing fast part, like that the fast is the key. Mm-hmm. Right, keep going. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of us have business business uh, ideas and, and entrepreneurs that are are latent in our hearts that so we want to kind of bring that forth, but we don't know where to start or what to do. And a lot of that is based on risk. A lot of us will say, you know, if we're being honest, I, I don't want to take a risk because I'm afa- afraid of and then fill in the blank. Is it failure? Yep. Is it losing money? Is it both of those? Is it about what you how you might appear to your friends and family in the community? Whatever it might be, there's something that holds people back. And I think maybe having some of that stuff uh, at the time I did, when I did it, things like a little bit of cash in the bank, another business where if this other thing failed, I could always go back and do the other thing. Or even just as an entrepreneur, having having confidence in yourself, knowing yeah. that if you fail in this, that you know, set yourself a time. It's almost like walking into the casino and saying, I'm only going to spend $100. I'm going to leave my wallet in the car. <laughs> but if I have $100 and I'm okay losing that, I'm going to go have a great time. That's and if right. it turns yep. into 1000 Great. If it turns into hundred, better time. <laughs> if it, if I lose time, the hundred, it goes from a hundred to a thousand back to a hundred. Yeah, there, there you go. Yeah, that's yeah. usually what happens, right? The house wins. <laughs> right. right. Um, but 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 that's okay, right? At least we have the experience, and the next time we decide to go do something, we use that experience. So that's kind of the entrepreneur's journey. That's what it was like for me. And um, when we spun this, when we spun this up, I really relied heavily on Jason and John, my two co-founders, because they were med device reps. I had the business knowledge. I had the know-how. I, I had already launched a couple of businesses. I ended up selling the other business actually, so I had a successful uh, exit from from one business. And a lot of that uh, was brought to bear in, in running the business we're in today. Now we're we're ten years into this, and we're doing this kind of in an uncharted way. I don't have a lot of competitors. I don't have a lot of people to follow and say, "Well, we saw the failure there. We won't do that, or we'll do more of this." We're out there on our own. We have a lot of uh, innovators coming up behind us that are coming up with different solutions. So that's flattering to to have started an industry and having people follow you in is great. But um, we're largely just pioneering this on our own, and so we'll we'll see where it all ends up. But it's it's been fun so far. We're we're providing real savings for hospitals that absolutely need them. I, just a quick aside, there was a stat that was published um, yesterday. I think it was by Becker's that said one out of every two hospitals in 2022 will post an operating loss. It means 50% of our hospitals in the US are, are at a loss. That, that potential insolvency when you think about it. Wow. Um, hopefully they're too big to fail like, like the banks and like the auto industry were, but we've got to do something to make sure that we have those facilities who provided patient care over the years, that they're still there tomorrow for our patient population. That's wild. I've got it? stuff, but I want you to go because I'll talk the whole time. No, no. I, I, I... It's just fat, one fantastic story for sure. But um, just I, I'm curious. So you guys, just to make sure you 
primarily deal with hospitals? Like who utilizes your staff? Generally yeah, that's to? right, Michael. It's 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 hospitals, health systems. It's going to be primarily the decision maker is going to be either a CFO who really needs to save money right now and have mm-hmm. it come back to the bottom line. Or in a larger facility, a larger health system, it's going to be a vice president of supply chain who's tasked with negotiating these 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 items. And they're very technical. We yeah. can't expect that supply chain uh, person to be an expert in MRI and CT machines and, and linen service and food service and also 21 categories of highly technical implants. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just not, not going to happen. So what does it look like? I just want to make sure our audience knows. So I'm in a hospital. I'm a CFO at a hospital. I, it's Kermit sounds super interesting. What does it look like from an onboarding standpoint, a time mm-hmm. frame? Uh, what are the general expectations around it? You know, mm-hmm. if if you're going to just do your quick pitch on this is what Kermit is going to do and how long it takes, what does it look like? Well, when we talk about the uh, the savings numbers, I think that's always very interesting to people who run a business and how can mm-hmm. I save money? Yeah, we do that in an outsourced way. So we'll we'll stand behind the hospital. They will run the request for proposal to to all their vendors, but. We put that together. We do the utilization studies. We know exactly what to bid. We know the prices to ask for. We run the bid and negotiation on behalf of them, but they stand in front and we support them in the back. We can do that process in 90 days and typically drive 30% of their annual spend back to the bottom line in savings. So if you're spending, I don't know, it's probably not out of the ordinary or not out of out of left field to say $70 million, $80 million in knee and hip implants in a hospital in any given year. Be able to say 30% of that, it's going to come back to you in savings. We're going to take a little bit off the top, let you keep the lion's share of that. And we're going to start in right now. And in 90 days, you'll have your final contracts. You're going to save money 90 days from now. Typically, it takes a hospital between a year, 13, 14 months to run one of these projects. So it's, it's definitely a lot faster. As far as the software is concerned, because it's cloud-based, we're not having to go behind the hospital's firewall and work inside of their organization, do a lot of integrations and manage the HIPAA compliance and all that stuff. All that is basically in a box in the cloud. If they say yep. go, we can turn that on in a week. Here's your login. That's basically yep. it. It's the, cl- the cloud. The cloud has really revolutionized how companies can bring value through software very, very quickly. So you're going to save hospital money within a 90 day period. Correct. That in turn is going to have an effect on what the insurance companies are going to have to pay. It'll lower that, right? It'll reduce that. Is that correct? It should. I mean, in, in most hospitals, we're still in this kind of a fee for service world where you do mm-hmm. a procedure, you have what's called an item master in a hospital that has everything that the suppliers are selling to you and a price you've negotiated to pay. Then on the revenue side of the hospital where they where they where they drop a patient bill, you have the charge master. And that's probably something you're already familiar with. We hear about we need pricing transparency. We need to understand what this is going to cost a, a patient. They're publishing the charge master now online, but the charge master is very, very difficult to, dis- to discern, decipher. But between those two worlds, there's a markup. And so that's mm-hmm. why we hear these horror stories on the front of Time Magazine, the $500 Band-Aid or you know, right. the yeah. $200 aspirin. That's the world between the supply side and, and, the, and the charge side for the patient. There's a connection there. Usually that is a markup. Now, hospitals that save money could actually pass that on with a lower markup if they they determine that's what they want to do. But we deal with non not-for-profit hospitals, for-profit entities. It's really up to the hospital to determine, do they want to pass that on? Or do they want to do something else like um, provide, say, stand up a new wing or another, you know, make a reinvestment in the community somehow. 
but uh, yes, it should all translate to, to lower patient bills in the end. Is there a loser in all of this? I don't know if you want to say the loser <laughs> is the manufacturer because I mean, they've been okay. enjoying uh, 60 plus percent margins. Right. Yeah, yeah. When when I just I just uh, mentioned to you to you and to Michael and to your audience that most hospitals or at least fifty percent of hospitals are going to post a loss. Mm-hmm. So um, we have we have surgeon pay relatively flat. We have reimbursements that are relatively flat. We have hospitals at a loss, and we have implant companies still enjoying in the midst of of an inflationary cycle a sixty percent margin. Right. I think you know when 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 Jason and John walked into my office and introduced this idea to me, and we formed a business from it. I said, you know, how do you think the implant company is going to react? They're going to they're going to react negatively. They're not going to like us, right? Am I going to be getting like um, a red laser through my window at night, or a, you know, with a, with a crosshair on my on my back? Like, what's going to happen? And they said, no, there's a day of reckoning coming. We've all we've all talked about it as we worked in those environments. We knew it was coming. We just didn't know when. And I think largely uh, the pandemic has put a big spotlight on this now. You know, mm-hmm. people don't want to rely on foreign supply chains and all of that. And uh, costs are a big deal. And now we've got inflation on top of the pandemic. So people are really taking a look at how can we reduce the cost here. And it, it's obviously it's a big deal. That's a profound impact on an industry that does not like change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Slow to change. Very slow to change. Um, Michael, what questions do you have? Well, I I want to make sure I'm not talking all over you. No, it's totally fine. And, and it's amazing how fast 20 minutes just went. Right. Uh, that was a super fast go through. But um, I'm just because like I have like, personal experiences recently where my wife had a minor surgery done, all these different things. And nobody knows what any of this costs until you get the final bill. And even the insurance company is like, I don't know why it costs that. You know, they don't even, it's, it's amazing to me. Like the medical billing world is just so fascinating. Like I, I make this joke. So my, my wife had this minor thing on the bill just for the hospital. I said, we get five bills for one surgery, which is always fantastic. And they all come at different times. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I'm done with this pain. Just when you think you paid it off. Yeah. And then here comes another one. They're like literally this Half a day hospital stay was $83,000 was the rate. And then Blue Cross negotiated 13 and then we paid our copay, which is fine. But that was one bill. And I'm and sure, then, Michael, she told you it was like a stay at the Ritz, right? It was yeah. it was wonderful. I mean, for that price. It might have been for her. <laughs> I, I don't know if you have kids, man. I've got three. And every time I had to sleep on the floor when that was happening, it was like <laughs> some ugly cushion. Anyway, it was yeah. Like, Right. It's just it's just amazing. And and they were even, I remember when we were going through that, they were even boasting, yeah, because of COVID, we were able to reduce the recovery time from eight hours to three hours because COVID forced it on us. But we still, and yet we paid more. But uh, anyway, it's just so fascinating because it's just a huge mystery. Like there's just no idea, like, because like she had a nerve procedure done that uh, something we do every year. And this year decided to cost four times as much. Hmm. And they had no ex- explanation for it. Mm. And it just, it's just so fascinating. Well, what it sounds like to me is Kermit EPI is a software that empowers the surgeon. It empowers the hospital and it empowers the patient. Yeah. Is that a pretty good assessment of what it's allowing through this return on investment? Yeah, I think so, Nick. I, you know, one of the things that we present when we we show our our slide deck to a hospital, what is the value that we're providing? We show this this utopia of collaboration that today doesn't take place, where a surgeon 
a supply chain administrator and a CFO all sit at the same table without walls between them. We'll remove those walls because we're dismissing the sales rep who can play both sides. I'll take mm. I'll take the surgeon to a steak dinner and to their favorite golf course, but at the same time, I'm going to turn around and negotiate my face off with the supply chain person. And the CFO is sitting there going, praying, I hope we're profitable on this stuff. I don't really even have a clue. Right. So yeah. when you when you hire a subject matter expert who has built a purpose-built piece of software to manage a spend category that is not inventoried, we don't buy these things and put them on the shelf. We we bring them in from, we call it trunk stock crudely. It comes in uh from, from a vehicle to a loading dock in a hospital just in time for surgery, gets sterile processed and sent up to the floor. One third of the trays that are sterile processed, which there's a big cost for that, are used, and two thirds are sent back. And maybe there's a something was was ripped open, and we just needed forceps. We needed we needed one instrument out of that tray. We got to pay for the whole thing. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of waste and a lot of potential for fraud and abuse in this category. Um, and so when you think about it, yeah, we're we're returning the balance of power back to hospitals in this category. That's our mission. And it's super, super important to provide that collaborative unity between those stakeholders who typically in the past have been separated and in the dark, having private conversations with different individuals, but they don't ever come back together and compare notes. With the software suite, you're going to see exactly what's happening, not only in your hospital, but across your entire health system with one unified view. So it's it's really a game changer when you think about it. Man, that's amazing. Well, I... Honestly, we kind of got toward the end of our episode already. We're at the end of the episode. <laughs> it just happened just so, like that. Well, what I want to do is is give our audience yeah. an opportunity to connect, uh, Rich, one with you, but with your software. Um, I think there's an opportunity to get a demo of this, maybe mm-hmm. um, how it could how it could profit your practice, how it could profit your hospital. Um, so, how do we need to connect with you? We're going to put all of this in the show notes, but how do we need to connect with you? Yeah, for sure. So. The, probably the two easiest ways for your listeners to connect with us. Uh, first, find us on LinkedIn. We do an extensive amount of marketing on LinkedIn, but what we're doing is we're sharing a lot of this knowledge. If people want to try this on their own or in the hospital, we'll give them the t- tips and the tricks. There are a lot of do-it-yourselfers out there. So find us on LinkedIn. You'll just search Kermit. Anything that doesn't come up as a frog is probably going to be us. Uh, <laughs> that's why Kermit.com was not available. Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, I don't need any, any uh, I don't, I don't need any love notes from Jim Henson's family on that. So um, yeah, it's Kermit PPI and you're going to find us on LinkedIn and we, we publish a newsletter, diff- different things we do all the time. We've just launched a, uh, a brand new podcast. The first episode is going to come out soon called healing the hospital. And mm, so uh, that's nice. another way that they can connect with us. And then, if they go to our website, which is Kermit, just like it sounds like the frog, K-E-R-M-I-T-P-P-I.com forward slash walk-ins welcome. There's a landing page there that we've created for your listeners where they can request a demo and get more information. We even post some white papers up there that they can download that we don't offer to the general public where they can nice. see what is the performance? What's my investment as a hospital? How long is it going to take me? And what what's the expected outcome? Can you show me a, another hospital where you've actually successfully done this? Yes. We'll publish a case study up there and they can download that information as well. It's fantastic. I love it. Thank you for creating a landing page for our audience. And if you're listening to this, I want to encourage you, go to kermitppi.com forward slash walk-ins welcome. 
Take advantage of these white papers. Take advantage of this opportunity to save millions of dollars for your hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. Richard, that's an incredible value for audience. Thank you for putting that together. I, I hope I hope we're able to save them millions and then and they can turn it back around on hospital marketing because uh, there you go. they're there probably you looking, hey, come on. Hey, they're we're looking for a budget. The bottom, you know? we, we help the, the bottom line at the top. You that's help right. it halfway down. <laughs> so, there we go. That's right. What, the old adage, the penny saved is a penny earned. Right? Absolutely. Very true. Rich, I've had a good time talking with you today, and um, I would love an opportunity in the near future to have you back on. Yeah, that'd absolutely. be great. Yeah, I would yeah, enjoy or, that. Or we need to join your podcast at some point. There you All go. right, let, I mean, let's do that. Yeah, let's yeah, do that. Absolutely. No so, shameless plugs here. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> but all Very right, cool. Rich, thank you again for being on today's podcast. Um, audience, you, you heard the information. We'll have it in the show notes, and then we'll catch you on the next one. Have a great week. Thanks. 